Do you feel politically homeless? Lost in the chaos of modern politics? Not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, season three. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Joining us this week is my good friend, the executive director of the Georgia Ready Mix Association, native Georgian, uh, native Atlantean, I think, too, uh, Mr. Jimmy Cotty. Jimmy, welcome to the Man in the Middle. Hey, Steve. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm not a native Atlantan. Okay, Atlantan, uh, yes. Just like most people in Atlanta, I'm from somewhere else, but I am a native Georgian. Native Georgian, absolutely. Well, Jimmy, you know more about Georgia politics than anyone I know. You, you've lived there your entire life. You've been involved in politics your entire life. And if I ever need to get the temperature of what's going on with the voters in Georgia, I call Jimmy Cotty. So this is a real treat uh, for the folks up here in Tennessee because we've got a lot of questions about what we've been seeing happen in Georgia. There was a recent election down there, Jimmy, and uh, and a lot of hubbub going on, you know, that we normally don't see. But uh, uh, how, how are you guys holding up, first off? Is Georgia still rolling along and uh, uh, everything's still going good down there? Yeah, you know, our economy's still strong. Um, yeah. I, uh, you know, I guess it depends on who you ask how they're, they're holding up. There are still some people taking uh, the recent elections, plural, uh, hard. Uh, you know, we had the presidential like everyone. And then we were blessed with uh, uh, six more weeks of craziness yeah. uh, with the Senate runoff election here. And so and, and most of the country had their eye on that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, as far as Georgia is concerned, business is good. We, uh, you know, we are a top state for uh uh, businesses to come to and, and do business in. Um, the economy's been strong. We held strong through COVID. You know, we we uh, largely remained open. Uh, you know, I joked, unless you were doing nails or cutting hair, you you really weren't ever closed or had to close yeah. uh, during COVID. Um, and uh, I think maybe the worst thing that we probably did here was let people run with the narrative that we were in fact closed. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, but I, I digress. And I think a lot of Southern states kind of followed the same model too uh, as well. And, and kudos to our governor too, you know, uh, when, when there was a lot of uh, governor Brian Kemp, uh, you know, he's been uh, gotten a lot of bad press recently for things I think that are beyond his control, but you know, you got to remember he resisted the urge to, to, to knee jerk into lockdowns and mandate face coverings and just sort of uh, infringe on people's liberties. Um, I think first and foremost that he, he thinks we're, we're a free country and a free state and, and people should be able to make their own decisions. And, and he sort of governs in that way. And, and he certainly exemplified that during uh, the early stages of COVID uh, you know, he, he, he uh, suggested to, to exercise caution uh, and use your head. And uh, I think, you know, most, you know, if people didn't want to go out, they didn't. And if they needed to, they did. And, and I think people just kind of adjusted accordingly and, you know, life kind of went on here and, um, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're all the more for it. 
Uh, I was actually meeting with one of the governor staffers back on election day and um, we were talking just about an issue. And, and at the end of it, I said, Hey, by the way, you know, tell me about how this, uh, how our handling of the pandemic affected is affecting Georgia or, or what the, this, this gentleman used to be involved in some economic development projects. And he just said, you know, we've got a lot of people knocking on our door just because they saw how we managed that and handled it and said, and they said, you know, we hear a lot of people tell us from other States that you, know, you guys really handled that sensibly. And, and, and this looks like a place we might want to want to set up our business at. And so uh, that's, that's uh, interest remains strong in Georgia in people coming to Georgia. Um, and so things are good here. Uh, well, Atlanta and Georgia, but Atlanta really is the capital of the South, Jimmy. And as far as how Atlanta goes is how the rest of the South goes. I mean, let's face it, in the entire state of Tennessee, there are more people in the metro Atlanta area than there are in the entire state of Tennessee. And so you're dealing with a it's an international city uh, that leads the way in business in the s- southeastern part of the United States. So uh, Governor Kemp came under some other pressure, too. But you know what, Jimmy? He... At the end of the day, it's kind of like Jeff Sessions, okay, for me. And I know you're familiar with Alabama and uh, familiar with uh, Alabama politics, too. But, it, you know, Jeff Sessions stood up and did the right thing. I think your governor did, too, and your secretary of state, or at least a lot of people believe that. Um, what is the state of the Republican Party? For those who are listening, obviously, Jimmy is a, a Republican down in Georgia, has been his entire life, an honest one. Uh, what I call an honest Republican who believes in real issues regarding uh, how we spend money, how we attract uh, economic prosperity and liberties for all Americans, and all of that's very much uh, still. I miss you guys, Jimmy. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I miss a lot of you guys and, and welcome you back. But what is the state of the Republican Party in Georgia? I don't think the Republicans are going anywhere, even though we can officially declare Georgia a swing state now. Would you say that? Or are, are you comfortable saying that? Well, I, you know, I'll touch on first, you know, with the uh, with both the secretary of state and, and the governor coming under a bit of pressure and fire with regards to the presidential election. Um, you know, just two years ago, uh, Governor Kemp was elected governor. And at the time he was secretary of state. He took a lot of flack for, you know, uh, allegedly calling balls and strikes in his own election. Right. Uh, you know, the reality is, you know, when you have a presidential election, Steve, it's 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 not one federal election. It's 50 state elections. Mm-hmm. And then in Georgia, it's 159 county elections. That's correct. Uh, within that one state election. So everybody has a little bit different ways of doing things. Of course, you know, there's state, there's state election laws that, that govern how some of these counties are going to do it, but they're empowered to run their own elections and, and tabulate their own votes and then send those to the secretary of state's office for uh, certification. So, right. um, you know, I, I think that, uh, of course, these guys, uh, despite what um, some folks might say, of course, I'm sure they're, they would have preferred to see uh, Donald Trump maintain the White House. Yeah. Uh, they're both uh, lifetime Republicans. Admitted and, they uh, voted for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you do have to give the two of them a lot of credit. Um, you know, I, I always wonder if, if, say, the secretary of state, you know, had said, you know, uh, President Trump, you know, I found 12,000 votes and, and congratulations. We can now award you Georgia's electoral votes. Mm-hmm. I mean, the president would he still would have lost. Right. And, right. He still and, would and have I've lost. Asked, I've asked folks what they think. You know, if that had happened, what would have been different? And, 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 you know, there are people out there that are just convinced that, 
you know, other states would have followed suit or whatnot. And, sure. and, and I don't necessarily believe that. But, uh, you know, is there election fraud? I'm sure there is. Is it was it is it to the tune of twelve hundred or twelve thousand or one hundred and twenty thousand votes? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, and, I, and I can't say. Yeah. And um, I, I happen to think both Governor Kemp and the secretary of state happen to be uh, honest men. And, and it's just kind of funny to see, um, you know, two years ago, uh, uh, they were cheating in their own election. And, and, and now this year, some of the same people hurling those accusations um yeah I talk about what a stand-up guy he is you know uh, <laughs> right, yeah. so, right. But about sort of the state of the gop i mean in georgia it's no different than um than nationally you know it's kind of like what kind of republican party do we want to be when we grow up yeah um you know we've we've got some of the most uh, far right members of congress in our state now yes um but also we, we have some very um we have some very practical members of Congress, both, you know, Democrat and Republican. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of look at I sort of look at federal elections. And to me, sort of at that level, a lot of it is is theatrics. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, in my experience, um, you know, to me, the, the state level is where the rubber really kind of meets the road on affecting citizens on the day to day basis, just because, you know, the state level, we can't we can't run a deficit, you know, we have to balance the budget. And, 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 and so we can't, we can't afford to operate like the state, state, uh, or excuse federal. me, like, uh, yeah. the federal level. And so, uh, I think when, when the D's and R's get together at the state capitol in Georgia, and they're talking about how do we move Georgia forward, it's a part-time legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone that serves down there, no matter your party, to some degree, you either got to be your own boss, you got to be retired or independently wealthy, somehow have the wherewithal to, to call out of work for three months and come in and, and participate in this process. And so, you know, from a business sense, I, I've always found that, uh, you know, everybody's more or less on the same page. Uh, and then when you get into, you know, when the social issues pop up every now and then, you'll see everyone kind of fall in line uh, along party lines at that point. But I think, you know, in Georgia, at least, uh, I think, uh, most of our fate, uh, folks just, you know, they know business is good in Georgia and the economy's booming and, and, and they're for the most part in agreement on how we're going to, uh, keep that going. Yeah. And, rising uh, tide lifts all ships. Right. And so at the end yeah. of the day, those guys work together. See in Tennessee, we're so unfamiliar now, Jimmy, we have less than 25 Democrats total between the Senate and the house in our state government. And so a Republican enjoys a super majority here. And so I, you know, I always say, Jimmy, absolute uh, power corrupts. Absolutely. And so we're now we're starting to see that uh, corruption come out of the various sides of the Republicans up here. But how is it divided in Georgia, Jimmy? It's not a supermajority for Republicans. Would you say it's 60-40 uh, or 50-50? How would you say the state house is? I, man, I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head. I know, uh, you know, 10 years ago, yes, it was supermajorities. Uh, and those have kind of those have shrunk, and that's largely uh, uh, some of the suburban seats around Metro Atlanta starting to flip back uh, to to Democrats. Uh, in the state house, is fairly tight. I want to say there's less than a, around maybe a ten vote majority for the Republicans, give wow. or take a few. Okay. Uh, um, you know, the Senate enjoys a little bit more of a 
split in favor of the Republicans. Um, you know, they still can 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 control uh, policy and legislation through that uh, chamber uh, pretty well. And with, um, you know, with redistricting coming up and the Republicans holding the majority, they'll have a chance to 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 redo the maps as is going to happen in uh, in all states. And um, but I really think from a from a state house perspective, there's you know they'll they'll probably be able to redraw the maps to maybe favor Republicans a little bit more in Congress. Mm-hmm. But I'm not so sure. Uh, uh, I think maybe when they look at the state level, the Senate and the House, it'll be more about uh, just making sure they can try to maintain what they currently have. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure exactly how much gains will be out there one way or another um, through redistricting the state level. But, um, you know, and, and of course, we saw at the federal level, just to, regarding your uh, question about the split, you know, I mean, in a state of 11 million people, to have two Senate elections to come down within, you know, 1% of each other, that kind of tells you, I, I have a state representative friend, and he tells the story when he's trying to tell some of his folks back home about winning elections in Georgia now, you know, and, and what he does is he draws a line on a piece of paper, right? And at the far right side of the line, he'll draw an R out there. And at the far left, he'll draw an L. And then right in the middle, he'll draw a little tick mark right across the uh, middle of the line. And he'll say, here's your Georgia electorate. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. 50-50, right? right? And so, you know, what he'll do is he'll draw a little circle to the left of the line. And he'll draw a little circle to the right of the line. He's like, you know, these are your committed centrists. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing in a given election is they're looking at people that are all the way out here on the right or all the way out here on the left, and they're trying to figure out whose rhetoric scares them more. Yeah, and uh, and decide, you know, uh, you know, winning a Republican or a, or a Democrat majority is not about trying to convince those people all the way at one end or the other to to come over to you. It's about that that really, you know, in Georgia right now, which is a really coveted uh, uh, middle, and it's about just just moving that tick mark in the middle, just just to the left or just to the right, just a bit. Yeah. Cause as we've seen in our, our, uh, both with the presidential and the Senate elections here, I mean, that's, that's kind of where we are right now. And yeah. I mean, you know, you got to give some kudos to the Democrats who were very well organized. Yeah. They were very well energized and, um, they got after it and they'd been getting after it for years in preparation for this. And I, and I think, um, in, in, that's cyclical, right? In politics, you sure. know, uh, uh, somebody, somebody uh, uh, discovers a, a better mousetrap, and then the other side's playing catch up for a bit, and, right. and and then another side moves ahead, and and then uh, you know, then maybe somebody else might rest on their laurels, and then and then the the cycle. The, the cycle continues. So. It, it really does. That's what I tell a lot of my uh, Democrat friends up here. I'm saying, you know, it's a matter of time. The the, the cycle always sw- switches out. A lot of them don't believe it, though, Jimmy, after 10 years of a supermajority, you know, a lot of these folks. But really, what you're really saying is that a tiny fraction of people in the middle decided the elections in Georgia. 
That's really what you're saying in your your friend that's in politics. The men in the middle, right? Yeah, and and we're the guys that make everybody mad, right? But if you're doing it right, both sides are mad at you because you call them both out. But but really, Jimmy, that's what I talk about is winning the middle and how we get back together. You and I can both agree on legitimate functions of government. When, we, when you and I, and we'll get to infrastructure in just a minute, but we talk about certain things like defense, infrastructure, all of those things right now, uh, we can both agree. It's when we start getting outside of that that we start finding our differences. But the truth is, Jimmy, I think that both sides, Republicans, Democrats, moderates in the middle, everybody wants this country and the government to work for the people, right? Would you agree with that? I, I don't think there are evil people out there uh, intentionally disrupting our government that are elected officials. Do you believe that? I, I don't believe that. I mean, I, you know, I'm sure that there are some people that uh, have run for uh, for office uh, with ill intentions. Um, I, I wouldn't I, w- I wouldn't discount that at all. But, uh, you know, most of the folks that I know, um, they are uh, they're you know, they're they're at the state house and they're they're on behalf of their constituents in their district. And, um, and you know, and, and that's the thing is, is sometimes people forget that, first and foremost, these um uh, Folks who are elected, they're elected first and foremost to represent the interest of their district. That's right. They're, they're yes. accountable to their voters back home. So, yes. you know, while we have someone in uh, in Northwest Georgia who's who's become quite a lightning rod on the right. Yes. Uh, much like some have famously on the left. Yes. That's at this point in time, she's representing her district. You know, and and if and, and if you voters, and I both know Rome, Georgia. And you and I both know North Georgia, and she represents that district. I mean, I would say that the vast majority of citizens there fall behind a lot of things that MGT has to say. We're talking about well, Marjorie I mean, they, Taylor Greene. I mean, well, the, in that area of the state, voters had you know several choices. They had some good choices. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, and that's the that's the way they've decided to vote. And she thinks that she is representing her district first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, you know, and she'll be accountable to her voters in due right. time. And That's if right. If they look the way that they have been represented, they'll continue to send her back. I believe they will. Yeah. And if uh, if they don't, you know, people will have the opportunity to uh, to run against her either in a primary or a general. In the same but way, that, Brooklyn. That's, like would, the, yeah. that's what a yeah. That's sort of what our government is yeah, all about. Yeah, that's the right? same way that Brooklyn will send AOC back, right? Yeah. Of course they will, because yeah. she won the votes there. She's representing her constituents there. So, Jimmy, there's a lot of talk about a division and a civil war in the Republican Party. And is the ex the former president going to primary people? I don't think that's the real challenge for Democrats or even Republicans. Is the real challenge for Democrats, and I'm talking more on a federal level here, is it overplaying their hand now that they have control of the House and the Senate and the presidency. Isn't the real danger for Democrats that they might overplay their hand during this two-year cycle instead of what president, the former president might get behind or what candidate he might get behind or whether he runs again? Isn't it really the Democrats could overplay it? I mean, I could agree with that. I mean, I think, um, you know, the last time that, that they found themselves in this position, they they went with, they, they did Obamacare and, uh, and you saw where that slowly, uh, uh, led to a disintegration of democratic majorities, uh, in Congress. So, yeah. So, 
Um, but at the time, they had an extremely – I think they had maybe even a veto-proof or almost veto-proof majority in the in, – or not veto-proof, a filibuster-proof majority in the, in the, in the U.S. Senate, if mm-hmm. I recall. But, yeah, I mean, resisting the urge, you know, I think there's things like, uh, you know, the, the court packing stuff. Um, you know, how far do they want to push on climate change? Um, you know, and sometimes – and they, you know, they could easily decide that this is a hill worth dying on. Mm-hmm. You know, and, sure. and, and kind of uh, that's that's where they went with Obamacare. And, and at the time, that was the hill they died on. And it and it it sort of sent them wandering and, and it took them. What are we now about 11 or 12 years later to get back to that? Right. Yeah, I'll be with the slimmest of majorities in the in in Congress. So, yeah. So, of course, they've got. And I think what people want to see is. Um, they want to see that the government that shows up in their lives is working for them. You know, right. we talked about legitimate, uh, uh, you know, legitimate functions of government. Um, I think that people want to see um, some some reaching across the aisle to some degree, and yeah. because there there are things that we need to do as a country. Uh, we need to defend ourselves. We need to build our infrastructure, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, right. and um, it's it's uh, and as you know, as a as a both of us as old infrastructure veterans, that's a can that gets kicked down the road by both uh, parties. Yeah, you know, by both parties, years at a time, and uh, and uh, you know we all pay the price sitting in traffic. So we uh, we pay the price in many ways, Jimmy. We sure do. Um, and uh, economic development, economic prosperity for our people. There's all well, uh, Texas is a great example of of what happens when you don't winterize. I mean, I totally understand. Uh, the thought process of keeping the prices low, but, you know, the dog finally caught the car is what we would say up here in Tennessee, uh, down in Texas. But, Jimmy, you touched on something. You talked a little bit about climate change, and and you and I are both infrastructure guys, and, and I, I think I told you privately I've done three seasons of this show and never done a show on infrastructure, and Atlanta is one of the premier in the state of Georgia, not just Atlanta. The entire state of Georgia has a premier infrastructure, one of the best uh, in the entire nation, but we know that General Motors, Ford, all of these car manufacturers have talked about moving to electric vehicles in less than 15 years, and you and I both know that there already is an impact on infrastructure funding from just the fuel efficiency in the electric cars that are coming on now. There is a monumental task facing guys like me and you and our entire country as we electrify transportation we have to find a completely brand new source of funding f- to build our roads and bridges in this country because these cars will still, obviously, they're not going to travel in tubes. They're going to be out on the road. Jimmy, talk about how we transition from a fuel tax to some sort of other way, and how do we get Republicans to buy into that? Wow. Um, That's a tough one, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, there's, a, there's a lot to say there. Um you know, in Georgia, um, I've been involved with construction materials now for about 15 years. And I remember my first week on the job, I, I was uh, I was at a meeting and, and there was policymakers and, and DOT people on the room. And, and, you know, it was, hey, we've got a real problem. We've got to figure out how to modernize our infrastructure funding. And that was in 2006. Right. And we spent the better part of, I would say, 
four or five years taking some bites of the apple before, um, you, you know, and the things that when it, when it comes to infrastructure, it's stuff like, um, you know, um, accountability, uh, what's going to benefit me, um, how do how do citizens respond to that? And, you know, and at the time, I think our, our DOT had sort of a bad reputation as being um, uh, somewhat uh, insulated. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, we had we had kind of a eroding funding model in terms of uh, a gas tax that was tied to uh, the number of gallons you pump without any concern for or, or with no addressing increasing fuel efficiencies. Right. So you so you see that return investment just get lower and lower over time. Right. And um, and then squabbling over you know, the needs of one area versus another and trying to figure out how we balance all that. So, sure. um, you know, we, we came up with a, um, we did, we did a thing back in, I think 2012 and it was the state was split up into, into, um, several regions, or I, I want to say seven, seven ish regions around the, the state. And, and they had regional T-splash transportation, special purpose, local, local, option sales tax um, elections. And so, and it gave voters an opportunity to um, to go to the ballot box and decide if they wanted to tax themselves for a period of 10 years. And how much was that tax? One penny on the sales it was, tax? It, it was a 1% sales tax. Uh-huh. We want to tax for 10 years. And, and But in order to do it, there was a process you had to go through and they had to get regional consensus on project list and that project list had to be presented to voters with with due time to for voters to look at it and whatnot and um but we uh that was back in the days when when dot had a poor reputation and and people suggested you know this is just a it's a big lie it's a big scam mm-hmm. it didn't help that we had a um uh, a former governor who decided that uh, you know we had one toll road in Georgia, Georgia 400 on the north side of Atlanta. Very familiar. Basically, yeah. right before um, uh, a governor was set to leave office, he decided that hey, even though we're about to pay for this road, uh, we're going to leave the toll booths up. No. And of course, <laughs> you're trying to convince voters that this tax is only it's going to sunset, and uh, and and all they had to say was, well, they lied to you about that, so they're going to lie to you about this, and. Um, so, so that, that effort, we had three regions around the state that passed it. Mm-hmm. Um, How did they do? They did well with it. You know, they, uh, nobody was cast out of office over it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there was some lessons learned and, and we moved on to, to, to sort of change our model. So, you know, in the wake of that, we've done things and, and there wasn't any one silver bullet, if you will. It was just more like, how do we how do we modernize how we're paying for this? Like you suggested, right. Right. you know, and there were things like there was money coming in from the motor fuel tax that was um, it was being diverted to the general fund. And there was a question about the constitutionality of that. Um you know, we had to address issues with electric vehicles. And, and so we passed in 2015 um, uh, a bill that, that changed the formula. We went from this sort of split tax collection on motor fuel to where we established, you know, one set rate for a state excise tax on motor fuel, uh-huh. but then turned around and tied that. Uh, and I couldn't tell you the formula, but it's tied to the price of inflation and it's tied to some fuel efficiency standards, too, to kind of keep up with that. Yeah. And um 
And so, uh, and amongst other things, you know, uh, we, we, instead of having the big regional approach to those uh, local sales tax uh, elections, ballot measures, you know, we allowed counties to start doing it solo where they could just do one countywide yeah. or if they wanted to join up with a neighboring county. Um, we allowed them. And so we've had some areas around the state that have taken advantage of that, both on kind of a partnership level with other counties or just doing it on their own. Um, Jimmy, that's what I call, you know, that's home rule. And we don't have that here in Tennessee at all. And I'm very envious of that. Right now, here in Murfreesboro, we're dealing with a gigantic private um, uh, trash dump that's about to go out. And, of course, the next uh, the folks here in Rutherford County have been uh, getting to dump their trash for free. Uh, they only pay for it to be picked up. And so now the, the, the trash dump is full. We, you know, we call it uh, uh, Mount Stinkmore or whatever you want to call it here in Rutherford County. And it's almost completely full. And they're going to move somewhere else, probably. I doubt they'll stay in the county. And people's tax rates are going to go, or their trash rates are going to go through the roof. Obviously, you and I understand how when you move a material from point A to point B is just as costly as the material itself in many cases. But we don't have home rule here, Jimmy. Uh, Murfreesboro wants to do an impact fee because we're one of the fastest growing counties in the country. We can't do it. But we also, we don't have a income tax like Georgia as well. Uh, So there are some advantages uh, to the way that we do it, but also I'm very envious that our local politicians, and this is a place where you and I can meet, uh, even though we're from both sides, uh, different sides politically, but our local guys should have a little bit more authority, uh, we wish, in Tennessee to do. It's not like that in Georgia. If they want to do it, they can go to the polls and vote it in. That's basically what you're saying. Yeah, well, um, there's a process they have to go through where sure. they have to establish their project list and voters have to have the opportunity to kind of see those things. But, right. you know, the, the real issue here is in um, and, and I'll tie this both with both the the SPLOS, the, the, the local taxes that voters go to the polls on, but also when um, uh, when our new fuel formula went into effect, you know, there was a lot of doomsday naysayers saying, oh, the, the, the price of fuel is going to skyrocket tomorrow. And, and you know, some some I had, you know, there was friends of mine on social media that went out and they took a picture of their local gas station one day. Yeah. And they came back the next and the price was the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think with regards to the, the when voters go to the polls and vote on it mm-hmm. and then the the local citizens see it they can experience they can feel it they can see the improvements they can feel the improvement in their life you know that gives them trust yeah they're okay paying for it at that point and they're and they're okay paying for it and the same thing with the other when when it when the taxes on motor fuel didn't skyrocket um you know, there was for a while there were people that would that would run for office trying to say, you know, this guy's going to raise your gas taxes or, or this, that and the other. There hasn't been anyone in Georgia in all these years get tossed out over uh, an infrastructure funding issue, whether it's lost or whether it's uh, uh, motor fuel tax stuff. And so and I, I think, think what, yeah. what, what people see is, you know, and, and also I got to give a lot of credit to our DOT in Georgia, too. I mean, they've got. Um, they have a, a very ultra professional uh, leadership team there. Mm-hmm. Um, our commissioner and his team have done an outstanding job uh, managing this, uh, managing our transportation uh, program in Georgia. Yeah, and uh, 
you know, they, they just, they've, uh, they just, they just do great, you know? And, um, and so we've, we've been the beneficiary of that, both the citizens seeing all the improvements, but also for guys like us who are involved in construction materials, of course, the, the people we work for and work with, you know, they, they benefit from that too, obviously from a, from a business perspective. Absolutely. And I make no bones about that. You know, my uh, three generations of my family that has put food on the table through the infrastructure industry and very proud of that because, you know, and when, when folks ask about that, I'm saying, well, did you take your family to Florida this summer? And they'll say yes. And I'll say you're welcome. You know, at least you didn't have to ride a horse and a, and a mud trail uh, to the beach this year. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, folks I, would, I would assume back in the peak of COVID, everybody was appreciative of the opportunity to buy some toilet paper. Yeah, right. That was transported. Yes, exactly. We're still not we're not dropping toilet paper in by drone yet. No, right. uh, (laughs) Right. It'll be a while. But 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 it all goes back to what you said about legitimate functions of government. Politics really leaves it, leaves the, the, the arena when you start telling people, hey, this is what your money goes to we're going to build this bridge we're going to build this road we're going to build this digital highway don't you agree with that jimmy that really politics kind of checks itself at the door when you start talking about basic things like infrastructure well i mean you know everybody agrees we need to to maintain a tip-top infrastructure you know i think where we've seen at the federal level is um uh, they they want to squabble on how it gets spent, and you know, so I, I, I'm I'm a proponent of you know, why don't we just keep all of our motor fuel tax dollars here, quit sending it to DC, and and we can do it better ourselves, which is probably the truth. But you know, there's a there's a there's well, a reason for that, and I get it. Right. But well, Georgia but, would be fine. Tennessee wouldn't. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's we, really what it boils down to, because you guys contribute a lot more to the federal than we do. Yeah. Well, yeah, but we also we have we probably have a lot more expensive real estate um uh, right away um oh i bet you know, for sure we, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, there's all kinds of things that goes into it of course but uh it should be proportional to population hmm. but uh you know it's just about that management of it and um uh, you know we just we happen to be i think we're positioned right now uh where we have folks who have seen the light and and we and they're good stewards of our infrastructure dollars and i mean i would just say that you know um for the most part we're in georgia they're good stewards of their tax dollars um annually and um so yeah so i'm 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 it's just been a great thing for, for us in Georgia. Let's move on to the electrical infrastructure real fast, Jimmy. And I, I'll just touch on this real fast. I know you're familiar with the Southern Company. Me, I love my quasi-governmental socialistic TVA. I absolutely love it. And, yes, they're bureaucratic. But you know what? It was 12 degrees last week, and my power never flickered. And I pay some of the lowest rates in the country. The Southern Company does a very similar thing down in Georgia. Even though the Southern Company is semi-private, private, it's not a part of the federal government. But you guys are moving forward, and we talked about climate change earlier and renewables earlier, but uh, Georgia's building a new nuclear plant down in southeastern Georgia. Is that right, the Southern Company? Are you familiar with that a little bit? Uh, plant Vogel? Uh, yeah, that's it. Maybe it's Vogel, yeah. We've uh, we've been building it for a long time, Steve. <laughs> it takes a while to build a nuclear plant. That, that's probably a good thing, though. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Southern Company they they operate Georgia Power, Alabama Power, I think Gulf Florida, Power, yep, Gulf Florida. Power. They got, a, they got a big footprint. 
they got a very diverse population to to um, uh, to address the needs for um, here in Georgia. And you know, we we deal with uh, southern, you know, with the, with the concrete industry at least. You know, we deal with Southern Company a good bit because uh, we we take a lot of their uh, uh, excess material, their fly ash, we use in our concrete. So we got to, we don't look at Southern Company necessarily as, uh, I mean, they're an energy supplier for us, but they're also a material supplier and we're able to safely dispose of that. So, you know, um, you know, they're, they're a big bad corporate boogeyman to some, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, I think in today's world, operating safely, operating sustainability, uh, uh, sustainably, right. I think it's just good business and um, with, you know, we live in such a litigious society these days that, you know, you, you've got to be safe as a company. Um, You've got to be sustainable and you got to be able to show that and and earn the trust of of potential customers or or the people you serve. And, um, you know, I think, I think Southern company does, does an excellent job managing what they have. Mm -hmm. They've got, um, they've got a big area to do it. And, uh, you know, my, my hat's off to them. And, uh, yeah, well, let's, let's move on. So, so you've got the Southern company down there. You, uh, uh, another issue that you and I have talked about before is the water issue. Now I know you Georgians want the Tennessee river back, but we're not going to give it back to you, Jimmy, or at least we're going to hold you hostage for it. Or you, I know you're familiar with that. Is the governor well, still planning on know, sending uh, the militia? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, we'll, uh, you guys might see the citizens of the 14th district of Georgia, uh, show up at the state line there, the real state line to, uh, <laughs> yes. take their claim. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, there's, uh, um, uh, certainly, uh, water is, 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 uh, it's a major issue with the growing population here. And, um, it's, uh, it's something that we have to be sensitive to, you know, Atlanta is going to continue to grow, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and it's going to continue to grow up that Northwest corridor heading towards, Chattanooga, you know, before you know it, Chattanooga is just going to be a suburb of Atlanta. Yeah, it's getting close now. Yeah, it's, it's almost all urbanized up that I seventy five corridor. So yeah, so that's uh, um, water resources is a big deal. We had a mm-hmm. we had a, a, a Senate chairman uh, years ago, uh, Senator Tolson, who was uh, really big on making sure that we had the infrastructure in place and a strong uh, environmentalist. Yeah, he was a strong about he was a strong environmentalist, Jimmy. I mean, he was a Republican, yeah. but he was a real steward of the land. Yeah. Well, you know, we've got we have a lot of particularly you get outside of Metro Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these guys that serve in the House and the Senate, they're sportsmen. Yeah. They have a deep appreciation of the environment. Yeah. Of uh, responsible management. And uh, and they take they take it seriously. Yes, it's something that, uh, that they live every day. They share with their kids and their families. And, um, and, and Senator Tolson was no different. And, and so water was one of those things with our exploding population. He, he wanted to ensure that, uh, we would have the resources available going forward, mm-hmm. uh, to serve our population here. Absolutely. Now you mentioned Chattanooga. Chattanooga right now is kind of in the news up here because it was one of the first, uh, small cities to offer free internet, uh, fiber service. Basically it's the fastest speeds in the state of Tennessee is in Chattanooga. What has Georgia done as far as digital infrastructure goes? And this, I know this pandemic has really kind of accelerated everyone. Well, some folks have been talking about it for years, but but uh, this really kind of accelerated the need for digital infrastructure. What are some of the creative ways Georgia's tackling digital infrastructure? You know, Steve, I, I'm not well-versed to talk about that. I do yeah. know every year um, 
they they move the ball a little bit forward mm-hmm. every year. Rural broadband is yeah. one of the biggest issues that uh, that we we look at every year at the state house. It's not an area that I have particular expertise in, nor uh, is it anything I've personally been involved with. But I do know that uh, the each year that uh, they get a little bit closer on expanding that. Yeah. And providing uh, they, they recognize that, um, that that is a big need for Georgia. And, you know, part of part of that is within, um, you know, their push to be aggressive in attracting business, attracting industry to Georgia. And of course, they want to try to incentivize a lot of these places to, to set up in the area that are in dire need of uh, some economic development. Yeah. But if you if you if you don't have Internet service there. Uh, how do you expect people to move there? So it's, yeah. uh, you know, it's almost, you know, internet service, you know, it's almost the new public utility of the, of the, of the 21st century. Well, so, I think we're finally getting there, Jimmy. I think a lot of folks didn't really recognize that, saw it more as a privilege to, you know, live in an area to have that. But I think we're really seeing that a digital highway is just as important as an actual highway now. Sure, and, absolutely. Yeah. And so once again, back to that legitimate function of government, you know, we covered digital, we covered roads and bridges, we covered water. We haven't, we haven't talked about it. We covered power. Uh, but Jimmy also, what, what would you say is the biggest challenge for the state of Georgia, not federally, but what are you guys looking at? What's the hot topic down in your area right now? What are the folks in the state talking about? What, I mean, outside of the necessarily the political, I mean, it did actually snow in Texas. That was real snow that fell in Texas uh, this summer. I don't know if you've seen those conspiracy videos yet, but uh, uh, I'll say that probably what people are talking about more than anything still is uh, elections. Okay. Uh, voting rights be, and elections. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I wouldn't say voting rights. No one, yeah. no one disagrees that anyone doesn't have the right to vote. Yeah. Um, but you know, just how we, I, I think, you know, and I think any state, if you're being honest with yourself, they, anyone should be making sure they take an honest look at their how they run their elections every so often. You know, yeah. I, I'm old fashioned. I go to the, I go to the voting booth. A majority of the time on election day, right? right I just, I, right. I just like that. I like the buzz of election day. I like being there, um, you know. And and I, you know, I have an opinion, uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. That you know, the more layers you add and avenues that you add to to allow people to vote, it allows more opportunity for um, for fraud or for potential fraud or to game the system. But you know, to me, the thing is, I feel like it almost to some degree waters down your right to vote in the sense that it's sort of, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of lost its, uh, uh, pizzazz, if you will, uh, that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I talked to my friends and neighbors and it's kind of like, are you going to go vote? Well, yeah, I don't know what, you know, it's not, it's just not there's not a buzz about it. You know, people obviously want you to go vote. Right. Um, candidates want you out and, and nobody thinks no one shouldn't vote. Right. But uh, I really just I've, I've always uh, just enjoyed being in line on Election Day, uh, engaging in conversation with people around and kind of listening in. And, you know, there was a uh, when Georgia first kind of flipped Republican. I was talking to a guy I work with and, you know, that's when uh, Sonny Perdue, uh, who was Trump's agriculture secretary, he, he he won a race for the governor of Georgia against an incumbent Democrat mm-hmm. back in 2002. And, and, uh, back then the, the, the sitting governor had, had managed to, to anger three disparate different voter groups. And, uh, you know, a friend of mine was standing in line and, and, 
and uh, our guy I work with, and he just said, you know, the I talked to some teachers, and they were there to vote against them, and I, I talked to some some flaggers is what we called them back then, flaggers. They changed the Georgia State flag, and they were there to vote them out. And um, and then there was a an area in North Metro Atlanta where they were going to build a highway, uh, you know, east-west, and then there's the Northern Arc people. They were there to vote them out. Yep. And none of these really had anything to do with each other except they all wanted They all wanted him gone. They didn't care about yeah. the guy they were voting for. They just wanted the current guy yeah, gone. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just always kind of enjoyed being in line and kind of overhearing that or engaging in it and, mm-hmm. and just kind of talking about that. Just, you know, there's a lot of fanfare involved with election day. And I think, you know, if, if I remember what my uncle told me correctly, he served in the army uh, all over the world, you know, um, I think in, in maybe in Europe, they still do national election days. You know, I, oh, I yeah. just think election day should, I think it should just be a paid holiday. And if you want your vote to count, you go stand in line and cast your vote. Couldn't agree more. And, and actually probably ought to do it the day after the Super Bowl, Jimmy. You know, just to be on that way, everybody has the has a break and and can do it. Uh, you know, that's one thing about being in in, in such a populous area that you guys have. Uh, you're bombarded every election cycle. You can't turn your television on, Jimmy, because it's one ad after the other. I mean, I know when I travel to Atlanta and I'm staying in a hotel, I flip on the television and it's just one ad after the other. Is there a better way? Or, or is will it continue? The millions, billions of dollars spent in Georgia just this last cycle had to be crazy. I mean, does anyone else run an advertisement when there's a special election? I think when John Ossoff, who's now uh, a new senator here in Georgia, he defeated David Perdue in the runoff. Right. That John was the Ossoff shocker. ran for Congress in 2016, I believe, when when, when uh, Donald Trump made Tom Price, Dr. Tom, his health and human services secretary. Right. Uh, he was a physician from North Atlanta and he served in Congress. So that created a vacancy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, 30 some odd people showed up for this special election. And uh, the Democrats consolidated around John Ossoff to make sure that he was in the final two. And, and then uh, the top Republican vote getter, Karen Handel, she was she was. So the two of them went to a. A runoff and it was at the time the most uh expensive house race in the country yeah and it was, it was the first time voters had a chance to rebuke trump if i recall correctly right right and the money raise was just insane yeah and of course geographically speaking that portion of atlanta was just a, it's a it's a small it's part of north fulton and in, in south Forsyth county and it's not a very big geographic area but guess what People all over Metro Atlanta got to watch those ads. Whether they Every were day, not, yes. It was, the, uh, it was in the TV market. I think probably the, uh, you know, is it going to change? I, I bet it will as as people move towards more towards streaming and you can individualize the, uh, the uh, you know, the address of where, of where the commercial is being shown. Mm-hmm. I'm sure just like they do with our computers, we'll start, well, and it's probably already happening to some degree. I, you know, I haven't done election stuff in forever, but uh, yeah, but yeah, it'll probably isolate itself to some degree as they can micro-target through streaming services. I would imagine, and 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 cable becomes more and more traditional. Cable is abandoned in one sense or another because even even the cable guys are going to probably have to uh, change their model to some degree in order to keep up. And even a lot of them now offer their own separate streaming services outside of their. Right, that you can get away from that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, Jimmy, up here in Tennessee, we we don't have that. 
As a matter of fact, the only we picked the Democrats picked up one seat in the state in the entire state in the state house. We picked up one state senator, names Heidi Campbell, and everyone in the Middle Tennessee area. We didn't know I didn't know Heidi personally, but I knew who she, who she was after the elections got started because it was the only ad running was an ad trashing Heidi Campbell. That was it. Of course, <laughs> you would see the you would see the Biden and you would see the Trump ads, but you wouldn't see hardly any other. There's not a lot of money spent up here because it's just so dominant Republican right now. But we knew that Heidi Campbell had a really good chance of winning her race because they were spending millions of dollars trying to keep her out. Wow. And um, but let's let's talk about Reverend Warnock real fast because Purdue was the surprise for me. He is from a, a native heritage family there in Georgia. Uh, lots of people know the Purdue family. That was the one that surprised me with Osoff. But let's talk about Reverend Warnock here. That election comes back up in two years. That was a special election. I like Reverend Warnock. Um, do you think that? He's got a kind of like Doug Jones. Does he have a chance this next cycle in two years? Uh, is it going to be close again, Jimmy? Will there be millions, billions of dollars spent in the state of Georgia? Uh, yeah, absolutely. There's going to be big time money spent in Georgia. Yeah. Um, you know, because in two years, uh, uh, Governor Kemp's going to be running for reelection. Wow. Um, yeah. So he's going to be tied to the hip with whoever's running against uh, uh, Reverend Warnock. Um, you know, Kemp faces questions in terms of is somebody going to primary him? You know, there's right. enough, there, are there enough upset people about uh, the election and that, you know, that Trump brain blames the governor and the secretary of state for his loss in Georgia? Is that going to embolden someone uh, to primary him? Mm -hmm. And then uh, depending on who the Democrats have up uh, for governor, obviously, whoever runs there is going to know that, you know, a Democrat can win in Georgia right now. Yeah. And, or it, it's going to be close, but, but and, yeah, but yeah, it'll be, mm -hmm. it'll be close. Uh, but, but it's it, possible. It, it's, it's winnable because Biden and Warnock and also offer all, all proof, proof of that. So, Absolutely. so um, I, I think, uh, again, you could see, uh, uh, Reverend Warnock, uh, hold serve. Um, is he going to go, you know, I'm interested to see how his politics play out. You know, uh, when Kelly Leffler was appointed, there was a lot of people upset that, that Doug Collins didn't get it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, for the time that she was in, she didn't cast a vote that would have been any different than what, you know, a Senator Collins would have done. You know, you know uh, but but uh, but Doug's wildly popular in Georgia. He's a good man. He's a great representative. And, uh, and really, it, it, it's a shame that uh, we lost him, and I don't think his time in public service is done by any means. Probably not. But, uh, but I don't know uh, what that means. Is he eyes the future, and so. And if uh, you were to guess on the Democrat side, maybe Stacey Abrams again. Do you think she does that, or is she going to bigger and better things in Washington or somewhere else? Do you think? You know, I don't know. I mean, uh, she certainly has uh, uh, made quite a name for herself mm -hmm. uh, yeah. uh, with her with her efforts here in Georgia for for President Biden and, and for. Uh, uh, Senators Warnock and 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 Ossoff. Um, she certainly she was a formidable candidate the first time around, uh, and she certainly would be another time around. But you know, I think she also could be poised for whether it's a you know appointment somewhere mm -hmm. or or even having the opportunity to go be sort of a, a king or queen maker elsewhere. Right. Uh, certainly would be uh, a very very interesting thing for her to do. 
Absolutely. Uh, so I, th- I think her options are wide open in terms of what she could do. And, and, uh, but she, certainly she's going to, she will pop up again somewhere and, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll see. Uh, there's obviously there's, there's a super PAC already started here called stop Stacy. Okay. She's going to run for governor. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously the, I think the Democrats here in Georgia will wait to hear if she's going to toss her hat in the ring. And, and if she does, it would clear the field, I believe. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. But if not, I think they would still they would try to do like they did with uh, with Senator Warnock and, and try to find someone to consolidate around mm-hmm. and avoid uh, avoiding kind of bitter primary or or anything of that nature. Yeah, I, I, I don't really blame them for that, Jimmy. Primaries are no fun. So, uh, Jimmy, this has been a great interview. I really appreciate it. I would love for you to make. Uh, you know, come back to the show. I, folks up here, love, they, they'll ask me what's going on in Georgia, you know, because they know I know some folks down there. And uh, anyway, I, hopefully we can make a little noise up in Tennessee so you can call me up and say, but really the truth is up here, we're just chipping, chipping away uh, on my side where it makes sense. And what we see are the moderates are the ones that are, have actually have the biggest chance uh, in elections, would you say that's the same in Georgia? Do you think far left liberals have a chance of being elected in the state of Georgia, or do they have to be moderate? Um, I mean, I think far, yeah, far left uh, liberals certainly could really could be elected in Georgia. Okay, I mean, yeah, it's uh, you know, I guess that def- yeah, comes I mean, down I, to I, definition, I right? In Georgia, right now, I mean, I it. You know, this presidential cycle really changed the calculus. You know, obviously there was a there was a a, a big Trump effect there in November mm-hmm. um, because you know Senator Purdue, I think he got about a hundred thousand more votes than Trump did. And so, and yes, so, he overperformed uh, the president. Yes, yeah, he overperformed mm-hmm. the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was just he in Georgia. We don't have a plurality. You have to have a majority. So you got to right. be at fifty percent plus one to avoid runoff. So. As the night ticked away, he ticked just under that fifty percent threshold, right? And that's what gave Ossoff some life. And uh, and of course, with you know, and with the Senate being at fifty forty eight at the time, I mean, it just made it was an all hands on deck effort from both sides. Oh yeah. I mean, a friend of mine, uh, he told me he lives up in in Canton, Georgia, which is you know forty miles, thirty forty miles. Uh, Northwest of downtown Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And he said one Saturday morning, he had a, a young man knock on his door at nine o'clock. And this is a heavily Republican area. And, uh, uh, he said, uh, he said that, uh, the young man was there to, to make sure that he, him and his wife were going to go vote in the runoff that, and he was asking to vote for, uh, Senator Purdue and, and for, uh, Senator Leffler. And, uh, he said, yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to do that, of course. And, and he, he happened to ask the, the guy where he was from. And he goes, I flew in from Texas this morning. Yeah. I landed in Atlanta at 630. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I was handed an address list, and I came straight up here. Yeah, well, we had it going on here, too. Uh, we had Tennesseans that were, you know, let's go to Georgia. Here's my thing, Jimmy, on that. You know, Doug Jones sent him back in Alabama, if you remember. Doug Jones, said, Doug Jones said, do not send your people, just send your money. We don't want your people to come to Alabama because there is a backlash against that when you have some guy. I mean, I'm sorry that that exists, but it exists. When some guy shows up from New York 
in in uh, rural Alabama or rural Tennessee, it causes a stir. You know, people sure. tend to backlash against that for whatever reason, right or wrong. But Jimmy, yeah, I remember, I, yeah. I, I, well, I had I remember I had uh, my kids were outside playing basketball in the driveway, and a car pulled in. And my dog started barking, and I just happened to be in the garage. And they kind of were like, "Hey, Dad, someone's here." And uh, I, I kind of popped my head out there. There's a gentleman in a car. He's still sitting in the driver's seat, and uh, he rolled down his window. He's like, "Are you James Cotty?" And I said, I am. <laughs> he goes, uh, "I'm here to remind you to vote." Um, he said, "Your wife's Sally, right?" And I said, "Sure is." And and uh, he said, well, "Will both of y'all be voting?" And I said, "Yeah, we'll both be voting." And and uh, and he wanted to give me some literature for uh, for Leffler and Purdue. He said, "Yeah, of course, we're, we're going to vote for them." And uh, he said, oh, "Okay, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move along." And uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just it's just nuts. The sophistication of some of these campaign operations these days. Oh, it's unbelievable. I, yeah, I, I can't imagine. I I haven't been involved with a campaign probably in ten years to some degree, but um, it's uh, I can't imagine to the level these people are going to and the amount of data they're utilizing. It's uh, it's off to, the chart. On, on, on these get-out-the-vote efforts. It, it really is. And once again, I, once again, I'm envious of Georgia because up here, Jimmy, I'm just going to be honest, the Republicans don't campaign. They don't campaign up here. The Democrats do. They try. But we rarely have a door knock from a Republican operative try, or activist trying to convince us or anyone in the neighborhoods. You'll see the Democrats all day long. But yeah. uh, anyway, uh, it's that locked in. Jimmy, anything else you'd like to add for the man in the middle audience? Uh, nah, man, it, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun to catch up with you, uh, Steve. And Same uh, here. I, uh, I've always, I, I've, I've watched your, uh, political career with, with interest. Um, and, uh, I've listened to your podcast intermittently and I just, I really appreciate your friendship that we've had through the years. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's fun to see you doing this and, and, uh, and it's fun to have the opportunity to come on and, and talk to you. Uh, just about some of the issues out there. Absolutely, Jimmy. And 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 w- once again, we can point out that that we have different opinions on a lot of issues, but we can have it in a civil conversation because this is this is what Americans do, and this is who we are. We talk these issues out, we find the best solution, and we move forward. And that's what we've got to get back to. Jimmy Cotty, the executive director of the Georgia Ready Mix Association. Thanks for joining us, Jimmy. And please tell us you'll come back. Yeah, man. Absolutely. We'll see you, Steve. Okay. Thanks, Jimmy. War Eagle. Yeah, War Eagle. (laughs) Thanks, Jimmy. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. I'll see you next week. Fab Five Freddy told me everybody's side. DJ spinning. I said, my, my. Flash is fast. Flash is cool. Francois, c'est pas. Flash ain't no duke. And you don't stop. Shoot shot. Go out to the parking lot. And you get in your car and drive real far. And you drive all night. And then you see your light. And it comes right down. And it lands on the ground. And out comes a man from Mars. And you try to run. But you got a gun. And he shoots you dead. And he eats your head. And then you're in the man from Mars. You go out at night. Cause you eat Cadillacs, Lincoln's too, Mercury.